Welcome, and thank you for joining me for this episode of the Teach Plus Podcast. This is the third episode in our foundation series, and today we're highlighting the work being done in our Texas Policy Fellowship. Joining me are senior fellows, Melina Recio from McAllen ISD and Christina Etri from Richardson ISD. The Teach Plus Texas Policy Fellowship is a highly selective leadership opportunity available to high-quality teachers across the state looking to deepen their knowledge of education policy and gain a voice in decisions that affect Texas students and the teaching profession. Policy fellows participate in a year-long paid cohort experience equipping and empowering fellows to bridge the gap between teachers, key stakeholders, and policymakers in Texas without ever having to leave the classroom. Thank you for joining me to hear about the amazing work being done by teachers just like you. Christina, Melina, thank you for being guests on this podcast today. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for having us, Dan. Yeah, absolutely. It's It's been exciting to get to know you both, and I'm, I'm really pumped about what we're going to talk about here today and what we're going to cover and being able to highlight the Policy Fellowship a little bit. And Melina, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of tell us, for those of us that aren't as familiar with the Policy Fellowship, what is it or even specifically what makes the Teach Plus Policy Fellowship special? Absolutely. So something that's unique about this particular fellowship is that A, it's highly selective, which has been um, a really amazing opportunity to interact with other educators who are passionate, who are hardworking, who have the same goals, who aren't just there to identify problems, but to come up with creative solutions. So that's something that's really incredible this year. Um, a former Texas Teacher of the Year is in our group. Um, I know that our policy director mentioned that this past year, this selection cycle in Texas, it was statistically harder to get into Teach Plus than to Harvard, which I was like, wow, like, how did I get in here? Like, But it's just so incredible and enriching to be surrounded by so many educators who are really motivated to make change for kids and for our profession. Um, additionally, it's a really rigorous program. So we spend a year learning a lot. We really deepen our knowledge about policy. You don't have to be a policy expert. You are an expert in your classroom. You are an expert teacher. Like that is what they want to hear from you. The program does a great job of teaching you. I learned so much last year. It's very academic focused as well. And then with that knowledge, you're able to expand your influence because of all the connections. Um, Last year, I had the opportunity, my first year in the fellowship, to speak directly with Commissioner Mike Murat. It was myself and another teacher. It was a really amazing opportunity to share my hopes and visions moving forward in education, given last year as a unique year. Um, I also got to work with TA on modules like creating modules for trauma-informed teaching, which is something I'm really passionate about. I got to talk to superintendents about House Bill 3, which was a big finance package that helped to make so many things possible in Texas for teachers and for kids. Um, And also it just gives you an opportunity to lead and shape policy. Um, I really love a quote that talks about how we do not rise to our highest hopes and dreams. We fall to our weakest systems. And this program is an opportunity to have a voice and be at the table to help shape those policies and systems that have huge implications for teachers, kids, and communities. And I think that's great what you were saying, that we fall to our lowest systems, because this really is about addressing systemic issues or things that need to change systemically, right? And I think even sometimes when people think policy, they think, automatically that it's with the state legislature and we're changing laws, but it's bigger than that. So, uh, Christina, why don't you maybe expand on that a little bit and fill in some of those gaps and even talk about some of the work that you've done in the policy fellowship as well? 
as a fellow, like uh, Melina said, I learned an enormous amount about how to navigate the different systems um, at the local level, at the state level, and even at the national level, and really how those systems work, uh, which I think is something that your average person really just doesn't fully appreciate in a lot of different ways. Um, some of the stuff that I did, uh, some focus groups and papers, and one of the papers I was really proud of was how COVID exposed many of the weaknesses in the education system. Um, we conducted different focus groups with teachers across the state and really just talked to them about what it was that they were seeing, what it was that they were missing, and how they felt things could be remedied. Uh, we came up with four recommendations for districts as well as Texas legislature in maintaining and protecting the funding of SB3, which Melina just talked about as well as encouraging instructional in innovation, what we found really was that teachers wanted to take this opportunity to innovate in their classrooms, uh, to innovate within their schools and within their school districts, and start reaching out across the state uh, to other districts to share more learning. Uh, one of the bigger things that came out of this paper and the publication was the need for statewide internet, ways that we could reach our more rural communities that uh, got left out in the uh, beginning of COVID and the shutdown. I completely agree with you, Christina. Now, Melina, you and Christina were both part of the Texas Teacher Preparation Regulatory Committee in partnership with TEA. Yes. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that work and what the status is? Absolutely. So the lead organizers for this were Educate Texas, and they partnered with TEA, and we had a lot of partners present. So educator preparation programs, nonprofits, schools, principals, HR directors. And then Christina and I were at this table, and it was so cool because at first I saw the list of the people on this committee, and I was like, okay, like these are like presidents of education colleges at some of our biggest universities in Texas. And then like right next to their name, it's like Melina Recio, Christina Etri. Teachers And I was like, yes, this is awesome. I'm super passionate about elevating the teaching profession. And I think that's something Teach Plus enables. It says you deserve to be at this table. Here is your seat. It was really great. Um, we learned a lot from other perspectives that were different from our own. But I also think that Christina and I were able to offer invaluable feedback. And so we worked really hard to put together an effective preparation framework. So these are for teacher candidates, people that want to become teachers. And we looked specifically at what does their coursework and curriculum look like? What does assessment look like for people that want to become educators? And then what I think is the critical and important piece that I had the opportunity to work closely with through the past few months was the training and support piece. You know, there are a lot of people that want to be teachers. I actually recently, um, if people are not aware, I'm sure if you're a teacher listening right now, you know this, we have a teacher shortage everywhere, like not just in one district or just in the state. And I don't think it's because people don't love kids and want to be teachers. I just had the opportunity to interview two recent grads who were both so excited. You know, I love kids. I want to work with kids. A teacher changed my life. I want to be that person for a kid. There's so many people that want to be in this profession, but it's really, really hard. It's a really hard job. Um, there are a lot of asks. And it's so critical that we have training and support for our new educators so that we can retain these excellent educators. Kids deserve great teachers. And 
part of what we were trying to accomplish with this program is a framework to give to educator preparation programs, um, no matter the pathway, right, whether it's traditional or an alternative certification program, that these candidates have the opportunity to, you know, practice and demonstrate mastery on content knowledge, have professional dispositions, and effectively serve all students. Um, And we want them to feel confident about this before they become a teacher of record, but also be supported in those first three critical years when people are really crafting um, their profession and really becoming the sustainable profession for them. So that being said, um, we have three policy documents that we are kind of working in conjunction with that group to complete. And these are documents that will be then handed off to SBEC and TEA, so the Texas Education Agency and the State Board of Educator Certification as guidelines um, about what these different partners and these stakeholders believe should be the direction moving forward. So yes, we have an aspirational vision statement. I think good vision statements always are. And then behind that, we have actions and key practices, like I mentioned, that people can work towards. And I think that's going to be really transformational moving forward for effective educator preparation programs in Texas. You know, I think one of the things that really stood out while you were talking was you're doing all this, you and Christina, you're both making this huge impact, but you're still teaching. You're still creating your lesson plans. You're still serving your students and your communities. You don't have to leave the classroom to make an impact. Christina, you know, you were also involved in being a lead author in a publication, Learning from Learners, Teacher Recommendations for Improving Clinical Experiences. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that publication and kind of what that was really focusing on? Well, clinical experience is something that I was pretty passionate about in the beginning and why I agreed um, when I was asked to sit on this committee um, with Melina, because I came from alternative certification. And so my pathway came later in life. I had to really, really work hard to find One, a district that would um, accept me as an, you know, for an intern for my clinical practice or for my clinical experience. And then two, finding a program that was reputable and reliable and was going to give me the things that I needed to to know, to understand uh, before stepping into a classroom. Um, Needless to say, I went from a clinical experience in a very teeny, teeny, tiny private school with a combined third, fourth, and fifth grade class of 17 students to working in a Title I school that was 60% lower socioeconomic. So it was a little bit of a shock. And I feel like if I had had a better clinical experience, I might have been better prepared. So that first year was a little rough. So when we started the focus groups for this particular publication, um, it was really listening to teachers about what their experiences were. Um, And really what it came down to was continuity between their program and their clinical experience, as well as mentorship and long-term mentorship. And that actually was our number one recommendation, was to improve and put more structure around the mentorship programs at the district level um, so that a new teacher, a teacher candidate, teacher on probation would have someone reliable. They would have 
not just, hey, you're going to do my lessons for me or you're watching me, but really uh, someone that can guide them and advise them and lead them over the course of not just one year, but maybe two years, even into three years. When we started working on this committee, that, that clinical piece, that mentorship piece, I, I really kind of got into the weeds on that <laughs> because I, I, I was like, we really need this. Um, but one of, <laughs> because I'm like, it's something that I, I didn't have. One of our other recommendations was also to consider teacher candidates and mentorships that were intentional when it came to teachers of color um, and really being intentional about those relationships and then maintaining those relationships um, throughout the course of the first one to three years uh, for new teachers. There may be some teachers listening that maybe haven't ever really been at that place to be at the table. Like you were talking about Melina earlier. Uh, they don't know what policy work needs to be done or even how to engage in it. They don't know how to advocate outside of their immediate realm of influence or even to participate in leadership opportunities outside of the classroom. And again, like we were saying, you don't have to leave the classroom to be influential, but how do you do that? What is the magic formula for being able to step out and to be able to walk through these doors while still holding down that classroom responsibility? Because we need teachers that are great teachers to remain great teachers, but we also need their voice to be heard. I would love for each of you to give maybe one or two words of advice that you have for those teachers that may be listening that have that desire and that passion to both stay in the classroom, but also make a difference and allow their voice to be heard. Uh, we'll start with Melina. First, I want to debunk a common misconception that I had around advocacy at these different levels. Um, I'm, I love being a teacher. I'm super passionate about it. I work really hard to be good at it for my kids. And sadly, a lot of times we hear from people that when a teacher is great, oh, that means they should be an admin or they should be principals or we need to get you out of the classroom. Yes, we need incredible principals. We need incredible administrators. We need, we need incredible people at all levels of education. But I'm super passionate about advocating and elevating the teaching profession um, I feel really strongly about that. And part of my passion around that led me to believe in a false dichotomy of it's us versus them. It's us in the trenches, really know what's going on. And then there's them. And they're the evil people in Austin who have no clue what's going on. And what I've really been so grateful and humbled to learn through this experience with the uh, Policy Fellowship is that there are so many smart, passionate people working at all levels of education and they are so pro kids. All that's missing is that expert voice that comes from the classroom, from our classroom teachers. And to that point, something I didn't know before joining this fellowship is that there are passionate people working really hard to give teachers that platform. If you're someone that is passionate about making changes at the systemic level for you and for your kids, then this is absolutely a great place to look to get involved and to help to make those systemic changes that will allow for amazing people to stay sustainably in the classroom for decades to come. Absolutely. Uh, Christina, same question to you. I, yeah, I, I would agree with everything that Melina said. I, I would also 
the piece of advice I would also give would be just to say to step out of your comfort zone. I knew nothing about advocacy and policy prior to this. I had a friend who was a part of it the year before I became a fellow, and she says, you can write, you know people already in the district, you need to do this, even if it's a little bit uncomfortable. Through the course of the year, as I learned how to approach senior level administrators and superintendents, and I reached out to them in in a different kind of way, like not as a complainer, but coming to them with a solution. Hey, here's the problem that I'm seeing, and here's the solution that I'm going to propose. As Melina said before, it was us and them, and now I see it more as a working relationship. Do I agree with everything that is always happening? No. Do they agree with any of my solutions 100% of the time? No. But (laughs) like anything else, you come to some sort of solution or you come to some sort of compromise. And and I feel like I, I have a voice now. I've been lucky that I have a really supportive, um, a principal, assistant principals. They have given me the time off. They have encouraged me to share what I've learned with my staff, my fellow teachers, and provided all the supports that I needed to to advocate for us because they want to keep us in the classroom as well. You guys are doing a great job. Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. But more than that, thank you for your advocacy. Thank you for the work that you're doing to help teachers and in turn helping students and communities across the state. It's making a change and it's a positive one. So thank you both for being a part of this. Is there anything else that you want to share before we go? No, I I would just say that if if you're a teacher and you're out there listening, I would encourage you to apply for Teach Plus. It's the Ivy League of Teachers. It really is. And and, and the support that we get in our working groups and in in the fellowship um, is, is really just beyond anything that I had ever anticipated or expected. I would just say also that If you're feeling frustrated, if you're feeling burnt out, if you feel in your heart like you were meant to be a teacher, but you don't know how to stay because of the way the system works or things that you think are out of your control, they're not. They're not out of your control. You, there are things that you can do about it. And there are people that want to help you to accomplish those things. No, no dream is too small or too big, no problem too big. Teach Plus is there to really support you. And I've seen the change happen. We don't just talk about it. We're very real, we're raw, but we're authentic. And because we're authentic and vulnerable, because we show up as our true selves with our passions and our dreams, we're able to make huge changes for teachers, for kids, for communities. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity. I get to work with amazing people like Christina that re-inspire me and teach me so much. I'm growing so much. Um, And it's something that I don't think I would have had the opportunity to do otherwise. Well, once again, thank you both for being a part of this podcast. It's been awesome. It's incredible to see what's going on all over the state to improve things for teachers, students, and communities. Thank you to all the amazing teachers that are working to make this happen. Don't forget to share this podcast with others who can benefit from this amazing message. Teach Plus is a national nonprofit that empowers teachers to lead improvements in educational policy and instructional practice. Visit teachplus.org for more information.